Welcome to another episode of RPG Hour Interviews. I'm Mr. RPG Hour. I'm Mrs. RPG Hour. And today with us, we have a special guest who is going to talk about an anime convention uh, RPG contest. Uh, and if you'll introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Christopher W. Reynolds. I'm with Ninja Hell Productions. What 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 do you want me to to include? <laughs> <laughs> I I came prepared for questions. I can't come up with answers on my no, own. No, that's perfect enough. Um, <clears throat> so okay, so I've read a little bit about the way that this whole thing came about, um, the conversation that started it. But if you don't mind doing a quick abridged version for those who haven't, who've never experienced it, um, especially because like. Once you dig far enough back to read this, um, it's one of those things that, like, you've spent so much time getting there. I know not everybody's going to want to dig back to that. Um. So the entire process for this starts with uh, the Trad Games board on Something Awful. I, I, I go there a lot because there's a lot of interesting discourse that goes on there. Uh, not... As time has gone on, the board's culture has shifted, and I have, like, come in and out of being active there, and I was never really that active. But on occasion, I would I would pop up and, and interact a little bit instead of just doing the usual for me, which is lurking and reading and wondering what all is going on. And one of the times that I was lurking, uh, there was a discussion brought about... about anime role-playing games. Now, I come from a house where D&D, Satan's Game, Mazes and Monsters, the Dungeon Master, like, all of the Satanic Panic stuff was something that my parents had legitimate concerns about. My mom literally sat me down and gave me a talk about how she was worried that I was going to pardu the holy man myself <laughs> uh, in regards to being involved with role-playing games. So... Anime role-playing games are kind of the only avenue that I had that I could explore RPGs. And the first one that I got my hands on that was actually released in a physical form that I got into was Big Eyes Small Mouth. And that is a universal system that tries to cover all of anime. And I'm sure you're going to ask me later my reasons for it. I am not a fan of it. Uh, Interesting. I, I quickly fell out of love with it because it's a universal system. And when it comes to anime role-playing games, most of them tend to go just, or, or at least back when the contest started, they tend to go just with universal systems. Anime is a genre, so we need to make it so you can play anything that is anime. And what is anime? Well, anime is literally everything they crammed into that dumb ADV commercial from 2000. <laughs> Yes, I still I love that, that commercial. commercial. So there was discussion about what would be a good RPG to play a specific anime series that was brought up. And everyone then proceeded to hijack that question into, man, anime RPGs are garbage. And so finally, after like two pages of the arguing, I just stick up and I just go, I'll run a contest if we can make something that's better. <laughs> and that resulted in the prototype for the two-year running contest that we have going on right now. Uh, it's the same basic structure that it was back then, uh, but I've been refining the rules a little bit as we've gone to try and encourage people who aren't used to the contests that went on on that website to get involved. And I'm running it off of the website because it's a little bit easier for people to participate if they don't have to pay the membership fee of $10. So, so how did it get joined up with an anime convention specifically? So I finished running the contest myself through SA, and I went to a new anime convention that year called OkashiCon in Pflugerville, Texas. It's headed up by someone who used to be really involved with IkiCon, which... In terms of the history of Ninja Hell Productions, we, at one point, were involved with IkiCon. And having gone to the con and seeing the approach that they tried to take to the community building and how it was really focused on people who were wanting to make things, 
uh, such as a bunch of cosplay panels, prop maker panels, uh, a lot of the stuff that goes on at that con is, is very much focused on crafting, sewing, creating. I went, well, why don't we run this contest? So I contacted uh, Misty, the con chair, and I offered to run the contest as a, as a joint thing if she could help me with prizing because that was one of the hardest parts I had to uh, really supporting the contest. So that's why we're partnered with a Texas-based anime convention. And then because I reached out to everyone for the first contest, we ended up having it be an international contest. So the pricing has changed a little bit to be more reflective of, uh, hey, you're, you may not be in Texas, but we still have something for you. Anime is not a genre. I believe that that has become something that is common knowledge now. Uh, but back in the day, it wasn't. And still, streaming services haven't seemed to have figured it out. Anime is uh, a medium filled with all sorts of different pieces of media, such as uh, sci-fi shows or uh, romance movies. So the way that the Okashikon X Ninja Hell Anime RPG Design Contest works is you can sign up in teams of up to three. When you sign up, you will receive a randomly generated genre. We're talking uh, uh, Magical Girl. War and or real robot, uh, giant robot, which is different, uh, shonen, horror, fantasy, period piece, sports, and you'll, you'll have one of these different genres, and then you have some time before the contest starts to, if you're not familiar with it, get acclimated to that genre. When signups end, or when we hit 26 participants this year, uh, I will release the modifier. While everyone gets a different anime genre, everyone in the contest gets the same modifier, and you make your game to conform to the modifier and your genre. The goal is to emulate your genre, deal with the modifier. So last year, the modifier was propaganda and or social engineering. So whatever genre your game was, it had to be promoting support or refusal of an idea person place or thing and you could choose to attach it to a real thing and have it be from a real group from a fake group about a real thing uh from a real group about a fake thing what have you but your game had to be promoting an idea uh the first time we did it was sequel series your game is content that we received but the source material content that came before it didn't come over here so it's like we got dragon ball z but we didn't get dragon ball at first i, I know that one's not as easily acceptable so uh ultimate muscle you've heard of right kiniku man nothing i'm gonna take that as a no cool so Ultimate Muscle is actually Kaneku Man 2. It's a sequel to Kaneku Man, which we never will get over here and never have received. So it was a, a an anime series that had no connection to its past. Or the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh!, which constantly refers to stuff that happens in Yu-Gi-Oh! Season 0, which we never got over here, and we never will, because it involves child murder. Children who murder, not not children being murdered. Yugi kills people. But the whole point is is that uh, you have to make something that is a succession of something that that we will never get. And so you have to make a game that deals with your genre and the modifier. And for this contest, you've got three months to do it. Uh, each week, there's a different check-in. And the goal is to have each of these check-ins only take maybe an hour of work. Nothing too crazy the goal of the check-ins isn't to be pressure and deadlines to make it so that ah i can't actually do this thing the goal is to make it so that you have a process that you can get used to when it comes to developing a game so about halfway through development you have to make a rough draft and then after the other half you have to release a final submission 
And the goal with all of this is you also need to make a game that is your own intellectual property. So it's not using characters like Cutie Honey or Sailor Moon or Goku. It's not set in uh, whatever the world Bleach is set in. You know, the land of mediocrity and got canceled in Shonen Jump. Uh, it, you know, it has to be your own creation because when you're done with the contest, even if you don't win, all you need is a little bit of polish and you can sell it online. Which, for instance, the winner of last year's contest is available for sale right now. It is a game called Melwaf, My Exciting Life with a Fantasy Foreigner. It is by uh, Julian, otherwise known as Arpco. I hope I got the name right. I probably got it wrong. Uh, but it's all about... Uh, it's Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid meets uh, actual immigration officials. Because you're playing as either the person running the game, so you're uh, an administration official in charge of helping people from the land of Epica, another world, immigrate to like the real world. And then you have... Uh, the players who can either be from Epica and they've immigrated to Earth, or you can be from Earth and you've always found something about Epica really interesting. And it's about how all of you have to work together to get your dreams achieved. And it literally is very blatant. It's about immigration and you have to work with other people who are not like you in order for your dreams to come true. So uh, you can end up making a game like that. That's the game that was made over the course of the contest. And the goal is to enable you to learn how to do that by having check-ins each week so that by the time you're done, you've got a completed game. And then if you end up in the finals, you could perhaps win $100 to, to be distributed as you want through PayPal or check between everyone who was in your team. Uh, you could get three passes to OkashiCon next year, which would be OkashiCon 2021, uh, for you to keep giveaway uh not sell obviously uh but yours to do with as you want i've even jokingly said uh maybe instead of getting the passes you get those passes filled with autographs of celebrities who come to the con and then we mail them to you you know that that kind of a thing uh i haven't talked to the con chair about that but it's not worth asking until we see who the finalists are right and the final prize is the icon and promotion so everyone who finishes the contest will get an icon of some kind to go in their finished work to say it was associated with the contest and got to this point. So the winner will say winner, second place, second place, third place, fourth place, finalist. You got to the end, finisher. You got partway through, participant. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, and then the winning game is the official game of the next year's con. So for OkashiCon 2020, the one that's coming up, uh, the official game of OkashiCon 2020 is Mel Melwaf, My Exciting Life with a Fantasy Foreigner. So there's a volunteer who's going to be doing demos of the game throughout the entire con. Uh, if, uh, if there are physical copies available somewhere or if there's a place that we need to send people to if they want to buy it, we'll have little QR codes that they can use to go get it or to go find it or to go buy it. And maybe we'll have copies in stock. We're figuring out the exact logistics on that. But we want to enable these games to get into people's hands. And we want everyone to know that we are very proud of everyone who participates. And we're willing to put actual manpower behind it. So. Uh, in addition, everyone has access to a late pass that allows them to skip a week and double up the next week. Along with uh, an extra requirement that's super small. But if you fall out past that, we're also going to have a, a sort of safety net underneath. First time we're ever doing it is this year. It's the OkashiCon X Ninja Hell Anime RPG Design Jam. We're going to be launching it part of the way through the contest. And it's the same deal. Make a game fitting the modifier. You'll get a genre. Uh, but instead of competing for prizes, you're hope, we're hoping that you'll finish by the time the contest ends. And then we'll have judges actually post comments about your stuff, give you some form of feedback. Uh, we're also working out the exact logistics of that. But that's going to be an option as well. So everyone will be able to participate in some way, even if the deadlines are scary or uncomfortable. The goal is just to get people making games. Uh, 
and to make anime games because I feel like uh, there are elements of the anime medium that are really interesting for game here. And I'll say, as somebody who's been in the Austin, Texas area anime scene for quite a while, I feel like everybody has a story, good or bad, that revolves around Ikikon. Like, I just feel like everybody at one point, their life has touched Ikikon. So the, the, the fact that Ninja Hell has and Okashikon is just kind of one of those things. It just affirms everybody's like, oh, no, you're just crazy. There's no way that everybody is always touched. I'm like, no, it pretty much as like if you talk to anybody, Ikikon is a central point there. So. Well, history wise, a very important thing to understand about Ikikon is that for the majority of its existence as a convention, there was no competition in the Austin area. So at that point, it's really hard to say that no one in the anime scene... You're going to have everyone have the same oh, experience. Yeah. It's like only having one grocery store. You want apples? You're all going to go to the <laughs> grocery store. It's the only game in town. Okay, so what edition or editions of Bessem did you play? So I have... Everyone who's played Second Revised has technically played Second Edition. There was no major rules change with Revised. Uh, the main thing that they added to it was they took three extra source books they wrote, and then they took the character creation options from them, and they just put them in the core book. That was it. But that's the edition that I played. Uh, I didn't get three. At the time I was playing Second Revised, I was considering getting it. Uh, then I fell out of love with the system due to a story that I'm alluding to that you can ask about. <laughs> but uh, I also haven't really looked back due to some of the uh, compensation stuff I've heard mm. with the creator and how Guardians of Order went down. It's a bizarre story that someone should make a documentary about. And I'm I'm only not touching it because I'm busy. <laughs> uh, if I had more funds and free time, I would definitely dig into that because that that is a guy Ritchie story if there ever was one so we actually do have some people outside of us that have sent in some questions for this interview um so okay. one of them what specifically got you into game design and game podcasting and we can break those all up right. let's start uh, with game design that's got to be broken <laughs> up you got to split it all right i got started with game design Probably probably from being on something awful and trolling around a little bit and checking out the Trad Games form. They had a design contest for design your own game. You get X amount of time. Come up with whatever you want. And I went, ah, oh, that sounds fun. I want to try. So I decided to come up with Final Blow, a game that no one will ever see again. Because uh, do you know the term Fantasy Heartbreaker? Um, not that I'm familiar with. Cool. It's a thing from the Forge, and that's not me saying I support or deny any philosophy from the Forge, but the idea of Fantasy Heartbreaker comes from there, and it's the idea of a game that is a hot, on-fire mess, but there's, like, a thing or two of interest in there. And you go, oh, they really worked hard on it, and there's this, like, thing that's worthy in there, but it's just a a heartbreaker and typically it was clones of dnd fantasy heartbreaker mine was a board game heartbreaker of i started trying to take mechanics and put them together and see if i can refine meaning out of it uh, but i had no idea what i was doing and it didn't work <laughs> right and i don't know how easy it would be to make a deck builder board game which is what i tried to do I, I shot for the stars, and uh, the equipment blew up on, on launch, basically. Uh, it, it was not received well. I refined it as best I could, and I practiced playtesting and writing the rules and refining them. It started off as a four-player conflict game where everyone was knocked out. Well, the story was the same for all the versions. Uh, Big giant anime final fight scene. <laughs> Everyone has hit each other and they've fallen down. But the problem is is that they're all down. Only one person can win. And so it's who can, over the course of the game, get back up at their feet and deliver the final blow. Final blow is the name of the game. Uh, so it went from a four-player versus game to a two-player co-op game 
where you've got co-op team versus co-op team and you were supposed to be messing with the flashback montages that the characters are seeing as they're trying to get back up but as you're trying to tell your own story that inspires you the other team is trying to play cards to mess with it and it's all memory shards that have been jumbled up together so you're having to like buy cards to build your deck to deal yourself a hand to try and play on it to to stand up and every card that you could play for a story can flip so it's either good or bad uh problem i refined it to the point that every game was the same huh so what you're saying is i solved the game (laughs) (laughs) in designing it uh it didn't work so what you're saying is is it still in development and we can expect that in 2021 (laughs) <laughs> no, I've actually stopped developing on it fully because anytime I even consider trying to, to look into it, there's no place to start. There's elements of it that, that can be worked on, but the game itself is too closed in. So I got no way I can I can fix it. But I'm fine with it because uh, after that, I, I submitted it and judging for that contest took forever. So while that was going on, there was another contest starting up and that was the start of a like five month span where there was like a contest every month oh wow and that was a great time to be on that website oh it was so fun uh so the game that i feel really taught me game design because that one taught me like how to how to set things on fire i made urog a game of political mudslinging it is a party game for four to six maybe seven players uh, it has a real-life time component of 45 minutes for the regular play mode. And if you play the town hall debate mode, it's an hour. The whole idea is everyone's playing candidates at the final debate for the presidency of the United States. Everyone knows votes don't matter. It's a popularity contest. So whoever has the most supporters at the end wins and becomes president. And if you reach five, you win automatically and the debate's over. We, we don't even have to continue. And you have to play your cards and and speak your words in such a way that you can convince everyone to support you, to, to amass all these supporters. And you do that by showing yourself as the best candidate in the field. I'm kidding. You're going to tell lies about every single other person at the table. <laughs> Horrible, not real lies, not based in any truth. It's actually in the rule book. Uh, and you have to incorporate an element of one of the cards in your hand in your lie so the cards will either be a way you have to lie so you have to do it by song or you have to include uh, you have to make up a quote by a famous person and attribute it to them during the course of your lie or it's uh, uh, something that something that you have to make up that is a piece of evidence so uh one of the one of the cards that I always like to see get played is the something about Plato's Cave, because no one outside of like a few people know what that is, and so the flavor text of the card is very insulting to the person reading it. It says, "If you don't understand what Plato's Cave is, just Google it." Uh, but the whole idea is is that you have to take the element in your card, weave a lie using it, either by telling your lie in that structure or by including it in your lie, and then you play it down, and the moderator will pick who had the best mudsling of the round, and that person will either gain a supporter, or they'll make their victim lose one. And once that's done, everyone will take their hands, discard them, draw new ones, drawing fewer cards for the more supporters they have, and then play continues until time runs out where someone would draw zero. Uh, I watched a presidential debate. It was a town hall between Mitt Romney and uh, President Obama. And one of the questions asked by the crowd was about Benghazi. And instead of addressing the question, which was about, like, what security concerns uh, have arisen out of that? What will you do to, to deal with them? Uh, they used that question as an opportunity to attack the other on foreign policy concerns, showing a complete disregard uh, for the people in question who died there. 
the reason that I brought something awful up is because uh, not not only is it connected to me, one of the moderators of the debate and discussion forum, literally the best mod they ever had, was one of the three or four guards who were there at Benghazi who got killed. And it shook these website users enough that they took off work. They, The person at my local game store at the time who got me into the Trad Games forum, uh, they were a mess for about a month. Over this person they never physically met, but who believed so much in fostering good debate to help people who maybe are believing things that they shouldn't be believing, to be exposed to different viewpoints to help them become better people, to use decent communication to foster those relationships. Dude died. And it hurt people. And then this debate question about Benghazi and, and security concerns and how we operate in foreign affairs, to have the question be looked at as, oh yeah, Benghazi? Yeah, that was sad. Mitt Romney is able to do Obama more like no Obama and I got really mad and so I decided to make this game and then a similar debate happened in 2016 and I spent 48 hours making the version that's for sale now so, which he means on sale it's on ninjahell.itch.io <laughs> um yep and it's on drive through cards as well I need to pony up for another print proof so that you can get it <laughs> physically again uh, after that, I designed a role-playing game called Virtumancy for a contest that was all about... You had to make uh, an entire RPG game. Layout-wise, it could be no more than four pages of letter-sized paper. And text-wise, it could only take up a single letter sheet. So front and back, 12-point, Times New Roman font, single spacing. Hmm. That's all you got, and you had to make a whole game out of it. And uh, quite a lot of games came out of it that are available nowadays, actually. Uh, the problem being, I can't tell which ones switched their intellectual property associated with them, but I've seen some game engines that have made me gone, hmm, I remember that one. <laughs> and Virtumancy was one of them. Uh, I've since revised it a bit, and it went from being four pages to being like 65, 72... Something like that, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of my whole time doing game design is something awful. Since then, I've made a few other games. I made Collation Combat, which is the world's first and official office-themed physical reality battle royale game, uh, which currently has paid DLC that is coming out. We've already delete I've already released uh, Dale the Cake Guy, and we have Pete the Brown Noser coming out this month. Uh, I've also done uh, Scratch's Score, which is a, a gin rummy variant that is set in the Wild West, and you have to deal with Old Scratch, which is another name. And it costs $6.66. For digital, <laughs> it costs $18 physical, which is also six six six. six. <laughs> have to be really careful about that. Uh, trying to think what other games I've released recently. Uh, I have the unreleased project, uh, which is the raid project. I can't release it yet because every time I'm about to release it, either something will happen real life consequence wise, and I can't pony up the money to get a print run done so I can do it in like a local game shop or, uh, something inappropriate of a sexual nature comes out in the news and I don't feel comfortable putting this game out. Uh, but it has been well-received in its initial form. On its revised form, it's been even more positively received. But uh, that one I'm keeping close to the chest until the, the time is right. And I've either built up enough of a brand that I feel like people can trust me to like not totally screw it up. Uh, or like things don't go wrong for like three months, maybe, <laughs> world. You son of a bitch. Yeah, but besides those, that's uh, that's more or less all the games I've been doing. A lot of my focus on game design is uh, focusing on designing to emulate a type of experience as opposed to uh, uh, focusing on, on designing for feeling. And a large part of it goes into designing to answer a question 
that's how Scratch the Score came about. The question was, how can you do a game like 313 or 5 Crown and not have the score go up as a bad thing, but have score go down as a bad thing? And then, bada-boo, there you go. Scratch the Score somehow came out of it. Hmm. So did those game design contests happen before the first um, uh, uh, first one of these anime? The anime RPG design contest? Yeah. Okay. They did. Uh, in fact, the anime RPG design contest was not my first design contest. Uh, the first one I ever did, I had wanted to do for a while, and I think it was... I had I had just moved in with uh, the woman who I'm now married to, and we uh, we just kind of got it settled. And I went, all right, you know what? That's enough of a life change. Let's do it. I want to run a contest. So it was the Top Gun of game design contests. The whole concept was uh, pick a bad job that no one wants. Cool. Make a game that will Top Gun it. So you know we'll make people want to do the job in question. Interesting. Hmm. So everyone got to pick whatever job they wanted. Uh, and I didn't, there wasn't an actual judging component where I would like play the games because I didn't have an easy way to like test them. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, printing. And I allowed for any kind of game, not just role playing games. Almost as if that's a part of the reason I limit it to <laughs> RPGs now. And uh, the winning game actually, that person participated in the first anime design rpg contest anime rpg design contest uh but yeah that theme ended up becoming the second theme that we used uh, last year we did propaganda and or social engineering it literally was just a callback to that first contest i did which was the same thing just focused on jobs only and what is this year's modifier this year's modifier is not going to be revealed until we get 13 more signups for our initial I tried, 13. I tried. <laughs> you did try. You did try. Very, very uh, I have noted the fishing minigame. I like it so much because uh, it was a joke suggestion that I have actually, I have something for it for maybe next year, maybe the year after. We're going to see. I always, if I don't have one already decided, I actually have a spinner I use. Oh. Uh, which I use a spinner to assign all the anime genres that all the teams get. And I think I have one more sign-up to go until I can reset <laughs> it. Because once it gets down to, like, three options, eh, reset it. But there's about, like, 20 of them on there. So it takes a little bit. Well, and sign-ups have been a little bit slow. Um, but, I mean, it's also kind of... Um... Sign-ups have not been as slow as the first year we were partnered with Okashi-Khan. Uh, that year, we had a total of 11 people participating. Oh, wow. Out of the entire sign-ups. Uh, and of that, we ended up with exactly four finalists. So, hmm. yeah, that was kind of rough. Uh, but the year before that, and I say year, there was a year off in between the first anime design contest and the second uh, that first one, we had 43 participants who signed up. So, yeah, that's that's really hard to beat. <laughs> so anything that is more than the year before for me, it's growth, it's good enough. And a part of it, too, is I really want to encourage more creative types to look into Wakashi-Khan and consider it than just costuming and fashion because they have that on lock. But I feel like uh, like the anime RPG design contest can start to inspire people who are musicians, who are game designers, who are layout artists to also get a little bit more involved with the convention and to get it a little bit more notoriety. Because there's not really a convention for that, like that crossroads. Uh, though, I reminder, it is an international design contest. The whole point of the prizing is, is that Okashikan will promote your game. And we'll have space for you to attend if you want to. But a part of it is to, to have a convention actually say, like, hey, this game, it's neat. Marge Simpson with the potato. 
Yeah, so you asked me about yes, uh, podcasts, um, right? I did. <laughs> hours ago at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure if she was going to reiterate the question or if I was going to. Uh, so I was waiting to see if she was going to chime in because she's been pretty quiet this interview. No, y'all are just like vibing, so I'm just chilling. <laughs> to be fair, I'm more of the Twitter person, so I've had conversations with him before. So it's kind of... You, you've had conversations. My 2020 has been nothing but just... Yeah, I'm on yes. Oh, here. yeah. It's been nothing but shitposting, getting opportunities Look, out of it. So, so, like, also, Mr. RPG Hour is the more vocal of the two of us. He loves to talk and can talk forever. So, like, if he starts vibing with someone, I know I just, you know, pleasantly listen along. If I, if I can get something in, I'll try to. But otherwise, I'm good. Well, uh, you did vibe with our last interviewee, though. That's true. We talked a lot, so I mean, it just—I mean—you're—you're you're very good at like adding to conversation in order to get more information. So, like, you just keep going. Good job. Kudos. So, uh, but yeah, podcasting. Um, what got you into podcasting? Why did it start? Was there? Was it already a group that you were with that decided to uh, record? Was it an idea that you wanted that you didn't see in another podcast? Like, what fueled your podcasting? Uh, podcasting grew out of an extension of wanting to create content online to supplement content that we were doing at conventions at the time. Because uh, that's where I really got my start was doing panels at anime conventions. And it all just sort of grew into this uh at the time, uh, in Austin, Texas, I had a group of about four people, uh, one of which I still do podcasting stuff with. The others, we've kind of drifted apart, uh, but we we started a podcast called the Ninja Infocast just to try and get extra content out, and it was just a fun idea. It was basically just everybody bring a thing, potluck style, and we'll have fun making fun of it. Uh, then when I did the anime rpg design contest i decided for the judging i would do podcasts about it why not and that ended up becoming the ninja game cast which i still occasionally will pull out now uh so that that was a way where we could uh have a session one similar to your show where we do character creation world building session two we play and then we grade. Uh, and then from there, I brought back, though we haven't fully released it yet, uh, a actual play show I did on College Radio. Uh, but now we could curse. And we called it Ninja Hell's Roll the Page to separate it from the earlier version we did. But now everyone has a roll the something in their name. Uh, this year, probably in... The next couple of months, we're going to start releasing a Roll the Page Redux, uh, where we're going to do a small leverage campaign so that the players can get used to each other, because I've kind of rebuilt the cast a little, because the cast that we had built all had to go their separate ways again uh, during the time in between Season 1 and what was going to be Season 2. Uh, but we're going to switch to uh, using Troika and do a podcast. Here, Here's a... Fresh leak. You get to be the one who knows about it. <laughs> We're doing a podcast called Products and Placements, the official Troika branded actual play podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is. It's got the turtle with the giant tower on its back and everything. We've been looking into how we're going to do it. The basic story structure is going to be a little bit of a play on uh, the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon from back <laughs> in the day. Only instead of a Dungeon Master and Venger, we're going to have uh, two competing advertising guilds. And the players are going to start their own advertising guild to compete. <laughs> and then we're just going to cram in as many different third-party source material, backgrounds, items, monsters, locations, campaign ideas as we can. That... And then the goal is with each episode, everything that we use... We provide links to, and the goal is to not just have the joke be product placement, but actually promote uh, To actually do product placement. Yeah, and it's an actual plot element. Uh, They're going to have, I'm not going to spoil that particular detail, but there's going to be 
product. <laughs> and there's a thing that each character has called placement. If we could put a pin in this right quick, our dog is going nuts. I'm going to go deal with him right quick. So hold on, be right back. Yeah, it's because it's cause I mentioned Troika. <laughs> that's, that's the other world's favorite game and also favorite game of dogs everywhere. That's a request to play. I really hope this gets included. I hope this doesn't get edited out. Oh, no. I, I think it's going to be included. Yeah, so product is going to be an actual element of the campaign, as will placements. So it's not just a pun. It, it's the actual premise of the show. Um, working on, on what that's going to look like. So there's also going to be custom content as well made available. That's That sounds super awesome. Yeah, I got started doing media creation because no one else in our group had access to it, and we wanted to start shifting our brand away from being just con-focused because we found that there were a lot of conventions that didn't have an eye for safety for their attendees oh. or for the people volunteering or for panelists in regards to their presence at the convention. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Please don't ask me any more questions. I hope it's very clear that I'm not singling out any one convention, though you could misinterpret me as saying that. <laughs> okay, I just want to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> a part of the problem is is that we live in a uh, in a culture, and I'm talking just about anime fans, we live in a culture where. If you speak up about bad conditions, you can potentially see them get better, but you are also creating an excuse to excommunicate yourself. Yeah. And that's true not only of conventions, but of a lot of different fields. And the problem is, is that uh, for a while, Ninja Hell had a stance that was very vocal, and we started noticing that there were rumors circulating by the people that we were potentially by the people who were being very accusatory towards uh that were actually hurting us and preventing us from seeking better opportunities though we've also messed up on our own i'm, I'm not gonna act like we haven't <laughs> uh i've i've tried to be better but a part of that is it, it's not so much whisper network as it is trying to enable conventions that do things better and have more considerations and are more focused on safety experiences for attendees, guests, panelists, and volunteers uh, to, to really make them more successful because I feel like that will start shifting the culture a little bit more from the convention management angle. Yeah. I, I don't run conventions. If I did, I would be very more vocal, like much more vocal. Uh, yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm already, I'm actually like getting to the point where I'm so vocal. We've lost followers on Twitter. You, to be fair, back in like when we started this five years ago, I took the stance that we weren't going to get political and that backed us into a corner where we went from, um, we actually gained in the first few years, almost uh, 1500 followers very quickly. Um, without really knowing anybody, without really being heavily connected or anything like that, we gained 1,500 followers very quickly, and then it slowly went up from there. Um, and I noticed that... Well, good good for you. <laughs> we we cannot break, like, even 200 on my personal <laughs> account. So I'm a self-appointed uh, artisanal influencer. Maybe maybe that's what I should change my tagline. <laughs> that's, my that sounds really good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> But part of our problem was is I added over 3,000 accounts within six months, pretty much. Um, and then as I found out, like, people were bad actors, people were, you know, negative influences in the community, I slowly paired those back. Um, and that's kind of, like, where our stuff started slowing down, and I'm still doing that. But what the problem was is I was just blocking those people, and I wasn't really saying anything about it. I wasn't really, you know, being vocal about it. And now I'm like, hey, just so you guys know, this person ripped somebody off. They stole money from this person or, hey, just so you guys know, this person literally came out as a neo-Nazi and anti-Semite. Like they did a whole, yeah, yeah, you was, know who I'm talking about. Uh, um, and yeah. I was just like, 
I'm sorry, what? Hold on, I have stuff from the 70s from them. What's going on? Like, and... You can just go, you can just go ahead and say it. It was Judge's Guild. Um, Judge's Guild, yeah. too. So, I mean... Which, it, it is a shame to see. Uh, I specifically bring that up because if people join the contest, they'll actually, if they go back through uh, the, the chit-chat log, you'll, you'll see that there's a point where I have to go. I added a clarification, which I didn't, I didn't mention. It's the second year I've had to add that clarification uh, because some bad actor has done something, and I've had to address it. I mean... It's ridiculous. It's... it's, it's and, and the problem is, is that we're to a point now where people expect you to know the rumors when, depending on how connected you are, you may or may not know them. And then, like, there's some people that just outwardly come out with it, and it's like, you do realize the culture has changed. Like, it's a whole different thing anymore. I mean, more than half the people on our cast, while everybody is white apparent, three people are have POC backgrounds. They just look white. And then my nephew is looks very black, but he's black, Hispanic, and white. So it's kind of like a, you know, we're not, you know, and I've had some people like try and buddy buddy up to us that literally have like anti-Semitic stuff in their profiles. And I'm like, you realize who you're trying to buddy buddy up with, right? Like we're not on your side. And I mean, it's just, it's just, it, it's a crazy world right now. And it's a sad, sad state of affairs, but um, back to yeah, especially with comedy, which is where we got our start. If if you don't mind me having that be our like, <laughs> yeah. uh, because Ninja Hell is a comedy troupe first and foremost. But yeah, no, I've been I've been working on on gaming podcasts and the like for a while. So back on to something that I was going to start earlier. We had talked about a crossover at some point between the two podcasts. Put you on the spot. Yes. Was uh, that with I a am... different set of people, or is that with your current cast of people? That was going to be with okay. a different set of people, but I am still interested uh, because the one person who did not know. So I, there were two people in the group. Uh, one is uh, someone I, I sometimes refer to as a binary raven. Uh, they are, they were in the original group that I started doing RPG stuff with in college, uh, and, and they kind of got. Some of them shifted into Ninja Hell, and now we started to shift apart a little bit. Uh, but we had tried multiple times to do character creation on Rifts, uh, and the joke amongst us was you can get through playing a campaign of Rifts because you'll make a character and then you're done. And so he was the one who I checked what version they had played. So he knows about the crossover. Kendall has no <laughs> idea. <laughs> None Surprise! Whatsoever. You're playing a game. So yeah, but yeah, no, we'll do we'll do riffs or we'll yeah. do any Palladium system. Um, uh, but I mean, in all honesty, the sad thing about Palladium, besides the awkward racism, yeah, um, and it, it it it's really really bad. So uh, w we're going to admit that at the very beginning of things, um, that you know there is awkward racism, but we're not here for the racism. We're here for the decently well-built stuff that he did Would... <laughs> i love i love all the air quotes around everything you just said that i saw in my mind's eye there okay so um I mean... america was built it doesn't help if you have to say well okay <laughs> america was built well inside of riffs and the alien stuff was built well inside of riffs africa was the biggest heap of dog shit ever canada is awful Mexico is questionable in some places, but in other places it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, Spirit West is awful. Well, at least it exists. Far West still hasn't been released. True. Um, I mean, Japan is kind of okay, but not. The Russian stuff like fails to hit some really cool marks that they could have. Um, because it feels like it feels like he never researched Russia past World War II. And even at that it wasn't a good, like, researching. So there's a lot of things that are missing. Can, can I tell you about the most disappointing part of Palladium's Robotech? <laughs> Which one? The original or the new one? 
I'm talking about the original one, which is the first RPG I ever played. Uh, that was the most anime-removed game of an anime series I have ever seen. They, they took an anime that was about singing and, and, and pieces of art connecting us all as like a universal language and constant that could bring peace between all people, even if they don't speak the same language and even if they want to kill each other, all right? And it took all of that and somehow its interpretation is completely non-anime. How can you do that? <laughs> How? How is it possible? It's like when they did the American Doctor Who, but like one degree <laughs> further. I'm gonna have to. It's like that joke from uh, from from Harry Bomber. Uh, what was it? The Harry Partridge, where he was like, "It's it's the American Akira. It's that, but for Robotech." I'm gonna stand up for the original because, Robotech. Like, on one yeah, caveat, so I feel that they went from the idea of a gearhead standpoint and the problem is is that they did miss the mark in regards to highlighting the romanticized ideologies that were in robotech and gave that more to role-playing rather than system mechanics and the system mechanics were more built around the ideology of being a gearhead because it is technically a different system than the rest of the palladium universe but if I can shift it back, hear me out on this, uh, a part of the uh, anime RPG design contest is every year I get to typically play at least one robot game. And so far I've gotten to play two really good robot games that were able to emulate that and the gearhead nature better than Palladium was able to do with the Robotech. I'll also give this one caveat. It was made in the 80s. It was made in the 80s. Let's be honest. Not a whole lot in the 80s had romanticized elements. I mean... Was it 80s or was it like I thought it was 80s. It may have been a little bit. Even in the 90s, let's... I feel like it was a little newer. At least the print run I had was... It had to be But to be fair... Because like it was How many anime RPGs actually... 1986 to 1998 was the first edition. Okay. Um, I will give it this. It must have been must have been second or third then, or maybe a uh, second edition was the two thousand eight two thousand eighteen version, which uh, mm-hmm. actually brings it. Yeah, up. then I played yeah. the eighties one. You probably played the eighties one. I know that it. Well, okay, you may have played a refined version because technically there's the Robotech two the RPG, which I believe was done in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, but. No, it just said Robotech on the cover, I remember, because I got to... It wasn't my copy. I was borrowing a friend's, and it, it said Robotech on the cover. I guess they must have... But it looked new, so I'm guessing that they just did a continuous... Oh, yeah, no, he kind, of, he kind of does that. Like, you can actually yeah. go back and buy some of the okay. older books on their website right now in print. Um, so, I mean, you can get books that were made in the 80... Or in the 90... I think the oldest ones on the website right now are the 90s books, because um, they've been doing some revamps, but... Um, so... I mean, part of the problem is is that it's just an old style that, let's be honest, how many games from even the late 80s, early 90s really incorporated romanticized ideologies? I feel like there were a lot of games that did, but because of the space of the industry at the time and of mass communication technology, they weren't as widely visible. I wouldn't say there's a lot, but I will say that there was. I'm not saying there wasn't any at all, but... The only reason I say that is because... A lot of people had games that they would make themselves. True. That would be submitted to the Anime RPG Design Contest, but there wasn't a way to distribute them as easily. True. Plus, there's been a lot of... With with the advancement of mass communication, now we have an ability to refine and prototype a lot faster than we had before. You don't have to go to a print shop now to test a board game. You can just do it in a tabletop simulator. Or Astro, and I'll say, I'll say, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not saying that it couldn't be done better. I just feel that they, like a lot of the older RPGs, they felt that the mechanics were meant to do everything but role playing in a lot of those old stuff. And I just felt like they went out of their way to, like, it wasn't like it was an afterthought or like they didn't even think about it. It's like they thought about it and consciously went, "We have to act in opposition to it." (laughs) 
feelies are for girls. Hey, hey, man. <laughs> that's that's not no, me. No, I know. Please, please <laughs> attribute that to the CEO of Palladium. Yeah, no, that that's pretty accurate. I'll say that I like the way that the newer books play. They do have that standard um, system okay. that Palladium has developed. Um, you can actually grab the new Robotech books and throw all of the Robotech mechs into a Rifts game. They do not hold up as well. I will say that like a lot of them, their weapons are not as high powered and I'm like, why not? And then I'm looking at it and I'm kind of looking at how their armor is versus the weapons. And I'm like, whoever designed this really thought about the anime. But like when you go over to riffs itself, you're like, why am I just a damage dealing, you know, asshole over here? Like, why can I do so much more? But mega damage. It's a glass cannon because it was, uh, it was a real, yeah show like at its heart so all the robots could break all the robots could have guns jam all the robots could blow up if a piece of tissue paper blew in them in just the wrong way <laughs> it's what i love about uh eighth ms team it's still one of my favorite guns yes because it it focused on the realism not just of the conflict but of the interpersonal relationships of war as well so um that and war in the pocket man ah break that child's <laughs> heart childhood is nothing but misery i will say as somebody who's also a fan of that one um the uh newer gundam um uh the blood orphan series iron Iron blooded orphans i want to watch that one ah it's been on my watch it honestly is in my opinion the best gundam that's come out so far but i'm going to put on another caveat um it to me feels like a better done mso eighth team in some respects. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, you're not, you're not yeah. a MS team had a lot. Yeah, of it did. <laughs> um, MS 08 team was a really good anime and is actually part of the inspiration for what we're doing for our game for the contest. Um, iron blooded orphans is spoilers, also part man. Of that. Huh? I said spoilers. You want to talk about the genre that you guys, were <laughs> uh, that you all. Were yes, assigned. actually I was going to do, uh, and uh, another kind of, uh, something that is a part of the participation is, uh, discord. Um, cause that's where all the resources, yes. uh, or not all the resources, but, um, uh, a lot of the information and stuff gets disseminated. We have an official discord board where we're doing all of the check-ins through and we're doing all of the, uh, interaction, uh, attached to that. We have a few different boards. So I'll actually go to it on my own. Uh, we have some game design resources that I'm hoping to expand because we're constantly adding stuff to it. Uh, we have anime resources where we've got anime examples of every single genre, along with manga or a few other pieces of related media. Uh, yeah, and everyone participating is there, so you can just shoot the shit. And, and this year is uh, the first year we're participating, um, and we actually have three people from RPG Hour. Um, uh, Jonathan Andrews, who's our other main co-host, is on there as RPG Minute. RPG Minute is the name of his segment on the website where he goes and does a little prompt um, and uh, you can either respond on the website or just respond in your head and it gives you a chance to role play throughout the week. Um, I think he does it once a week right now. He's hoping to up it. Uh, but it's it's multiple different kinds of genres and things like that. You go read the prompt and it's meant to be a quick get out of your head, have a role play moment. Um, and so he's taking RPG Minute into this. Uh, he got the genre romance, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Um, yeah. I didn't understand that uh, the um, that the the genres were random. So uh, naming our team the Wonderment Project is actually based on an RP an anime RPG I was already writing. Um, which. <laughs> Well, remember the rules of the contest. It has to be during the span of well, the contest. It was, it was, I had an idea, and I was starting the uh, a rework of a system mechanics to make it more anime. So the game itself wasn't started. Okay. Um, so I was like, ooh, I just barely started this. This is something that I could easily just go into this. So I'm like, I'm going to call it this because this is the name of the, uh, the, the idea that I've got right now. And then I get in, and we get post-apocalyptic punk. And I'm like, ah, I'm right. like yeah, this is the far. Like, there's no way to fit this in there like i'm just like don't worry i got this (laughs) yeah so i'm the mc we already have one person taking the mystery box which is one genre i always hold back uh so if you get a genre and you don't want it 
the mystery box is something no one gets to get unless they say they don't want whatever genre they got. But they have to they have to take what they my get. Problem is, my problem no is my problem is that like all the so. other top all the other genres that I could be down for and could develop for within a heartbeat are already pretty much up. So it's like the, if the mystery box isn't one of those, I'm not going to do it. There's no way I can do this. Like I'm sorry, but <laughs> But no one no one has guessed what the mystery box is either, which is the best part cuz uh, people can try one of the things that's happened before is i've taken y- you'll you'll have people who talk and they'll like oh like what about this particular thing blah, 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 blah. and i'll be like haha grab drag it but this year we couldn't we couldn't do that so there's no genre i didn't include that has been thought up after the fact so it's the first time i've had to be like all right well i'll take this one that isn't fantasy and i'll i'll hold it back because the whole idea was we had, the first time I ran it, someone got fantasy and they went, I don't want to do D&D. And it feels like I'm kind of in that catch of like, what do I do? I'm going to have to do D&D. So it was like, all right, mystery box, mystery box. And they kept fantasy, actually. They didn't take the mystery box. You'll you'll have like a, at the last minute, you get like a 24-hour notice of like, all right, time to decide is now if you haven't already decided. So uh, if that ever happens again, um, quick segue there is somebody that's made an anime fantasy RPG that does not feel like um, D&D. It feels very much like anime. Um, and it's called Dragon World Hack. Mm. And it's currently, um, the last time I, I, I looked at it, it was free on Drive Through RPG. Um, and it is a... Um, uh, uh, powered by the apocalypse, but th- the difference okay. is is that it feels like powered by the apocalypse more than Dungeon World is. Not saying that Dungeon World isn't great, okay. but Dungeon World still to me feels no, but it's yeah. a different approach. Because Dungeon World it. feels like yeah. D- very D and D esque for me, more than it does powered by the apocalypse. It feels like I'm still playing D and D basically, but Dragon World hack looks like um, uh, oh my goodness the the. It's an anime video game. Um, um, Element of it. Give it to me. There's an actual RPG in the United States that came first. Tabletop role-playing game. Dragon Quest. It it looks like Dragon Quest. Um, And uh, so, uh, but it's it's more along the lines of silliness than it is about seriousness. But it honestly, in my opinion, is probably one of the best anime RPGs ever done. And it's sort of in a holding pattern. <laughs> Year one, we had a game that used Cortex, actually. And it was called Strikers NG+. Plus, so Strikers New Game+. Plus, and it was their take on a potentially more serious, it's up to how you play it, uh, Slayers RPG. Where the idea was, was that things that happen leave you with scars and those scars change how your character oh interesting and so it was like a continual series so part of character creation is you have to do the initial adventure where you get those initial scars that was the intent it was a really interesting game uh they didn't there were elements of it that didn't lock on perfectly so it it didn't win but it actually plays pretty high uh you can go listen to that episode now on our soundcloud (laughs) Ooh. Or episodes, I guess. Uh, yeah. Most of, like, out of my top five favorite games, I would say the two winners of the past two contests are two of the top, for sure. Uh, which makes me sad that only one of them is seen on this. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that was interesting last year is we had a game called Shattered Masks, No One Is Innocent, that was all about... Uh, you had to play as detectives, but the goal was you had to craft a solution to the crime that may or may not be real, but makes sense in order to not get executed yourself. <laughs> oh, interesting. It was a very, it was a very interesting game. Uh, it wasn't perfect. Not your game doesn't have to be perfect to win. Your game has to meet all of the criteria that we set forth. <laughs> so, uh, one game. Uh, the first year we did it, its engine died halfway through. It just did not work. But their style and their adherence to the genre was strong enough. They got, like, fourth place. 
Because, like, those maxed out. And then their engine just, like, dragged them down a little bit. So. Hmm. We're not looking for perfection. We're, we're definitely looking just for the, uh, the genre modifier. Uh, does the system work as intended? Can I run it? Uh, and how the flavor feels. And this year we have some actual professional game designers yeah, that's... in. We got NorCal Mythos. And we have a uh, team coming soon, which features Anthropos um, I was going to say, actually, <laughs> two of those are our fault. Um, and that's uh, Orcs Unlimited. I am, um, I'm totally and fine Anthropos with that. Games. Orcs Unlimited, which is the only team where one person is filling three <laughs> slots. <laughs> so they, they signed up as Orc 1. Then their Discord forced them into their regular account, which was SW Dragoon, but then switched them again to a second SW Dragoon. <laughs> so they, they, they have space for more people, obviously, but it's, it's fun to refer to them as the only full-up team of... So it has been absolutely lovely chatting with you for way longer than we had originally intended. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for having me. So, uh, where can people find you? Well, uh, you can find our YouTube channel on youtube.com slash thesoundninja, or you can search for Ninja Hell, all one word, exclamation point, productions, uh, on YouTube. Heads up, not family-friendly content. We say a lot of naughty words like <laughs> balls and butts. <laughs> balls. Uh, you can find us on ninjahell.com, including ninjahell.com slash games. It's where I try to keep up to date as to all of the games released under the Ninja Hell label. You can also find us on Drive Through Cards and Drive Through RPG, which is basically just one site, uh, and ninjahell.itch.io. I think that's all. Also, we have a SoundCloud, but you can just just have a link. Have a link in the. I'll do that. Video. Send me a link and I'll add it. <laughs> I'll send you all the links. So many links. It'll be like six. <laughs> And, of course, we are RPG Hour. Uh, you can find us at RPGHour.com. You can find us at Patreon and Ko-Fi and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at RPG Hour. You just all one word. Uh, just search that out. You'll find us. Um, I am a self-appointed influencer TM, and I didn't even think about that. <laughs> our, no, no, no. I had the chance to, chance to shell. I, I'm the only one who was able to get Ninja Hell. Uh, as a username on Patreon, patreon.com slash <laughs> So that's where you can find all of us. If you want to send us some money, please do send us money. It's how we keep going. Um, and thank you so much. And until the dice roll again. <laughs>